You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent those of the network, its advertisers, owners, or sponsors. Good afternoon. Welcome to Conversations and Meditations. I'm your host, Virgil Varix. Today is uh, Saturday, August 4th, 2018. And uh, let's get started to the show. Okay. So uh, last week we had a nice conversation about uh, the book by Thomas Sowell called The Conflict of Visions. I'll encourage you to go back and listen to that. It uh, pretty much basically explains why do we have uh, ideological differences and disagreements between uh, one side and the other and um, why we should all together take a look at the reasons behind that and then make necessary adjustments to our own lives to actually figure out what's the best way of dealing with other people that have a different vision than our own, specifically on human nature and its interactions within the socio-political economic world. So today's show is uh, not – I wouldn't call it another review of a book. It's, it's kind of an overview and kind of getting into the details and the ideas within the book. And I, I think something that a lot of people, um, whether or not they under, they know it or they they um, actively know it or passively know it or it's something that they struggle with or deal with, um, self-esteem and self-esteem issues. Now, a lot of people misattribute the ideas behind self-esteem uh, and they, 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 they try to mix self-esteem with um, being selfish in the bad sense. Uh, meaning doing things for your own interest while stepping on the on the interests of other people or the rights of other people. So that's not what I'm talking about. Um, in particular, I want to focus on uh, the book by one of my favorite uh, authors and uh, psychologist, Nathaniel Brandon, called The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. And uh, it's a classic book and the book has uh, been around for a while and it's uh, the definitive work on self-esteem. Uh, by leading pioneer in the field. Um, Dr. Brandon recently passed away in 2014 and um, a little bit before that, I, I got acquainted to his work and to some of his writing on self-esteem and I decided that some of the things that he talked about in the book and some of the things that he had on his website that I thought were really advantageous really helped me elevate my self-esteem and elevate um, my overall self-worth. So I think this is a topic that a lot of people tend to identify with but might not know the words to put it into, you know, put their feelings into words or they identify with this issue but kind of put it to the back burner and don't really worry about it and, and all that stuff. Now, 
I just want to quickly begin with a definition. This definition is uh, Nathaniel Brandon's definition. And, um, you know, throughout his work, before I get into the definition, throughout his work, he, 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 his main mission was to inspire his readers to, you know, honor their lives and, and their happiness and to look for their happiness and look for their worth within their lives. So uh, to begin with his definition, you know, self-esteem is the disposition to experience oneself as being component to cope or competent, excuse me, competent to cope with basic challenges of life and of being worthy of happiness. It is confidence in the efficacy of our mind and our ability to think. By extension, it is confidence in our ability to learn, make appropriate choices and decisions, respond effectively to change. It's also the experience that successfully that success, achievement, fulfillment, happiness are right and natural for us. It's a natural state for being, for human beings. Um, the survival, the survival value of such confidence is obvious. So is the danger when it's missing. Um, so, you know, he goes on further to say self-esteem is not euphoria or buoyancy that may be temporarily induced by a drug or a compliment or a love affair. It's, it's not an illusion or hallucination. It's not grounded in reality. It's if, uh, if it's not grounded in reality, if it's not built over time through the appropriate, through the appropriate operation of the mind, then it's not self-esteem. And, um, you know, the root of our need for self-esteem is the need for, you know, consciousness to learn to trust itself, for us to learn to trust ourselves. And the root of the need to learn such trust is, in fact, the consciousness is uh, volitional, that we have a choice to think or not to think. You know, we have the ability to make choices, to to change our mind, to alter the way we look at our lives and everything. Now, that's um, that's essential, Right. Um, but, but the main point that we have to understand is, you know, we control the switch that turns the consciousness brighter or dimmer, you know, we're not rational necessarily, you know, reality focused automatically takes years and and dedication to get there. And, um, this means that whether we learn from, you know, whether we learn to operate our mind in such a way to make ourselves appropriate to life, it's ultimately a function of our own choices. Um, do we, you know, do we strive to be conscious or do we strive for the opposite? Um, do we strive to be rational or do we strive for the opposite? Um, do we strive to be coherent and and be clear on, on things and, our, and especially to ourselves or, or the opposite? Are we looking for truth or are we looking for the opposite? Now, <clears throat> something that he 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 clearly states. And he makes this point in the book, and I think it's super important to lay it down before we get into the six pillars themselves. And so think about, you know, arrogance and self, you know, arrogance on one hand and self-esteem on the other. You know, arrogance is, is ironically, it's comparison based, right? Meaning that if, if I notice that somebody I know or somebody else has something that I don't have, I will make constant comparisons to myself. And the honest truth about making comparisons, you know, t- from yourself to somebody else is that's not an accurate representation of the of the other person because you're seeing a snapshot of them on that day, at that moment, at that particular time. You don't know what type of suffering they might have in their life. You don't know if their kids hate them. You don't know if their wife hates them. You don't know if any any of the myriad of, of problems that people face in everyday life that you might not notice on a you know offhand experience with them. Um, these things affect us all. And, you know, it's, it's arrogance that is, that is, you know, based in the idea that we should be, be making comparisons. And it's, uh, you know, and with that, with that type of arrogance, you know, is, you know, in, you know, comparison making. It's ironically, is, he states that it's a sign of low, uh, of low self-esteem. 
So self-esteem is self-love. You know, it's based on taking joy in being who you are without without the need of comparing yourself to another person. I mean, the only person we should compare ourselves to is the person we were yesterday. I think that's the only fair comparison. And I think that's honestly the only type of way we can make any meaningful types of change. Honestly, I mean, I don't think – I mean, small incremental changes in our behavior and in our um, awareness and a lot of different things that we talk – I'm going to be talking about later today will make that change, will make that, you know, will make the idea that me taking joy in myself and, and me taking joy in my my being without the need or the, the constant nagging, you know, uh, anxiety to compare myself to another person, whether it's uh, in success of work or whether it's in success of other types of things, relationships. I mean, there's no need to make comparisons because I'm taking joy in who I am and loving myself for who I am. Um, but that's the first thing we have to understand before we get into it. And I think the second thing that he states um, is, you know, we have an inner, inner pessimist. We all do. It, it exists within us. It's something that is a constant every single day, constant nag on your choices and your, on your actions, right? So, I mean, he talks about signs of low self-esteem and, you know, the idea that people, they'll have these types of ideas, uh, see these types of, you know, mentality going on. And this is, you know, a sign of low self-esteem as well as making comparisons to other people. And, you know, one of the types of um, things that an inner, inner pessimist would make you do is self-fulfilling prophecies, right? So let's say you have a op- job opportunity and you talk to a friend about it and you guys are going back and forth and making discussion and you say to your friend, well, you know, I know that I'm not really going to be doing well in this job or even have a likelihood of getting it because of X, Y, and Z and then I know I'm not going to be putting the effort in. It's like you're already – self-fulfilling your failure before it's even happened. You're not allowing yourself to actively be – to be an active participant in the thing. You're already writing the story for yourself. So that's one sign of, of, a low, of low self-esteem and, and trust me, we all go through this. This is something that's normal. It's something that that's part of our, of our being and we have to deal with it because if we don't deal with it, we're going to have a lot of issues and a lot of problems. So – it's taking out that the inner pessimist is getting rid of it, you know, ridding yourself from that. Another thing is self sabotage. You know, you you know that hey, I'm, I've been trying to quit cigarettes. So let's say that's that's a that's an example, and I am a week out and I'm I haven't smoked anything like that. But let's say you know I'm going to be hanging out with my friends, be going to the bars tonight. I'm going to be drinking. Oh, you know what? Maybe I should just get a pack of cigarettes to pack out, you know, pass out to everybody, you know, just to be nice. And you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll have one or two. And then you end up just you know, doing them all. <laughs> that's, you know, a combination. I mean, that's self-sabotage. You're obviously, you know that you're on a on, on this mission to not do any, you know, cigarettes or any nicotine, but then you pick it up just, you try to make excuses. Oh, maybe I'll pass them out for people tonight or maybe I'll just have one or, and then you just end up doing the whole thing and then, you know, getting back to the position you were in when you began. And, and that that's unfortunate and that happens to all of us. We all self-sabotage ourselves whether it's um, in dieting situations, whether it's you know when it comes to you know quitting uh, you know cigarettes, drinking anything, so that's that's definitely uh, something that your inner pessimist um, can have a hold over you. And you know the, the, one of the last things I can talk about is um, the type of mindset is like nothing is enough. 
you know, not being content, not being appreciative of the current circumstance you're in, um, not thanking your situation, not thanking your effort, not thanking the people that helped you get there, not being aware or cognizant of the value that whatever whatever got you here today, that's that's something to be appreciative of. And you know, people who have the nothing is enough attitude about life, they never get anything out of it because it's it's very pessimistic. And you know, we have to understand that, you know, being confident, having self-esteem is not a, you know, an innate, you know, constant automatic state of, of mind. It's something that needs to be worked on over years and years and there needs to be an active um there needs to be an, an obviously an active uh interaction between your mind and between you know your uh your spirit when i say your spirit i mean your willpower that's a lot of it i don't mean necessarily something religious i mean cuz your mind and your rational faculties is it's it's definitely going to be needed to, to elevate your self esteem but also taking in your willpower and the thing that gets you on the next level, you know, the little bit of energy that you have in you to get the last rep in, or um, the little bit of energy to say, you know what, I'm not going to have the cake today after dinner. You know, that that type of energy. Now, when I talk about the six pillars of self-esteem, the book, you know, he goes on to talk about the actual six pillars. And he refers to this as, you know, and I'm getting this from um, Brian Johnson's philosophy notes and a lot of it mostly from the book itself, but this is kind of a great, I'm going to be posting this online on the website to kind of give you guys a, a basic understanding of what I'm talking about and, and kind of give you, you know, an understanding of where, how this can actively help you. So the idea, so the thing is like, it's not an idea of self, self-esteem is not an idea. It's a practice. And in the book, he talks about the six pillars and he goes, you know, the first one is the, the practice of living consciously. Second one is the practice of self-acceptance. The third is the practice of self-responsibility. The fourth is the practice of self-assertiveness. Five is the practice of living purposely. And six is the practice of personal integrity. And you, you, you notice it's not an idea. It's a practice. You know, what determines the level of self-esteem is what the individual does, right? It's not um, innate. Like I said, it's, it's nothing like that. You know, and, and Brandon goes on to say a practice implies a discipline of acting in a certain way over and over again consistently. It's not action by fits and starts and or even an appropriate response to a crisis. Rather, it's a way of operating day by day in big and small and big issues and small, a way of behaving that is also a way of being. So when you look at that, we, we understand that, you know, that this is something that we need to take into uh, take into effect and to take into our lives. So something that, you know, Dr. Brandon has, has put on his website, and I'm going to be putting this on my website to uh, promote this, is sentence completion. Um, and so sentence completion work is, you know, a deceptively simple yet uniquely, uniquely powerful tool for raising self-understanding and self-esteem and personal effectiveness. It rests on the premise that all of us have more knowledge than we normally are aware of, uh, you know, more wisdom than we use, more potentials than we typically show up in our behavior. So sentence completion is a tool for accessing and activating these hidden resources that we have. So, you know, it's like basically the idea is you they have a stem of a sentence and then you complete it. So kind of some of the examples that I can bring up is, um, you know, living consciously means, you know, then you complete the sentence. 
Another thing he likes to bring up is incremental changes. If I bring 5% more awareness to my activities today, then you complete the sentence. If I pay more attention to how I deal with people today, complete the sentence. If I bring 5% more awareness to my inter, uh, insecurities, then – and then you complete the sentence. Um, if I bring 5% more awareness to my priorities, then you complete it. Obviously, you get, you get the gist of it. I'm going to be putting these online and reposting them because I think it's a unique tool that can help not only um, people that are currently going through issues and, and of self-esteem and you know issues of conscious, of um, but also people that are pretty well in their self-esteem and just want to see if they can poke holes and see where they can fix and what they can patch and what they can make better. So the first um, and that's and that's really part of living consciously, right? Um, you know. He, you know, the basic, you know, he brings throughout the book that the practice of doing this is, is such a powerful tool because it makes you live consciously. It makes you realize the interactions that you're doing. It makes you see what you can be with, you know, 5%, 10% more, you know, effort in, in, a, in a particular area. So writing this stuff down, journaling is also a very important thing. And this in conjunction with journaling, I think is very powerful and can really change the way you look at things. But, you know, the practice of living consciously is the first pillar. And, you know, it's essential that, you know, that we understand that it's not just about um, living in the moment. Because living in the moment is cool and everything, but it doesn't mean you – if you live in the moment, it doesn't mean you you examine or explore your awareness. It doesn't mean you examine and explore how you deal with people on a day-to-day basis. It doesn't you know, show or tell you what your insecurity levels are or what your priorities are and how much more effort can you be putting to them. So I think you know, with journaling, so, you know, sentence completion can help you live more consciously. Um, you know, the practice of self-acceptance, you know, um, here's a great quote, you know, we cannot run, uh, we can run not only from our dark side, but also from our bright side, from anything that threatens to make us stand out or stand alone, or that calls for the awakening of the hero within us, or that asks that we break through to a higher level of consciousness and reach a higher ground of integrity. The greatest crime we commit against ourselves is not that we may deny or, disow- or disown our shortcomings, but that we that we may deny or disown our greatness because it frightens us. It's a fully realized self-acceptance. If, if fully realized, self-acceptance does not evade the worst within us, nor does it evade the best in us. So I, I you know, that's a it's a powerful quote, but that's why I'm pausing. But I, I honestly feel that, you know, when when we look at our look at ourselves and look at our the you know the bad in us and the things that we don't appreciate about ourselves and our little faults and our little character weaknesses and you know the moments we you know snap and the moments we lose somebody and the moments you know, because of our behavior the moments we um and you know primarily this is all because of our own actions that all you know so understanding that you know and fully realizing that self-acceptance does not mean that we're going to evade the negative of ourselves, the worst within us and, you know, the things that makes us do horrible things. But it doesn't, you know, take away from the good that we do. And I think a lot of the time, because we're conflict-oriented in a lot of ways, just in general, it's humanity, we tend to look at the negative more than the positive. 
and we don't actively remember the positive because once the positive, once you do something positive, you get that feeling of you know right, raising the self esteem, and then poof, it's gone, and then that's it, right? But that's not that's not you know consistent. And you know to go back before you know finishing up on on some uh, self acceptance to go back on living consciously, I think you know one of the biggest takeaways we can take is you have to practice awareness. You can't live on autopilot. You just can't be living on autopilot. And too many people go throughout their day doing things, not feeling motivated, not feeling – not having energy, not feeling inspired by what they're doing. And a lot of that has to be because of their circumstances, whether it's because of something in their control or something not in their control. But our reaction to things happening to us is in our control. That's for sure. So we just have to work on our reactions to the external events and then I think we can start living consciously, stopping, you know, stopping us from from being an autopilot and, you know, allowing us to be more aware and, and practice the awareness. But, you know, the big thing about, you know, to finish up on self-acceptance is, you know, we have to stop beating ourselves up. You know, we can improve on a lot of great things. We can we can make strides. We can we can really change a lot of our negative cap, you know, our negative you know uh, behaviors and, and capacities to do you know stupid things. So you have to be able to improve on what you can change, right? But we have to be wise enough and you know uh, empathetic enough, you know, with ourselves and have enough have enough compassion to forgive the things that we can't change. You know, a great question to ask yourself. When it comes to self-acceptance, after you kind of you know go through this, is like, am, am I somebody I'd want to hang out with? <laughs> and the answer to that is is really tough for most people and for myself even. And I think that's once we can get to a place where like we can proudly say, yeah, a person like that is somebody I'd like to hang out with. So we have to live our values, and a big part of that is by self-acceptance. We have to stop. You know, assaulting ourselves for making mistakes. We have to accept, we have to make sure that we can make changes where they can be done and have, you know, enough wisdom and enough, um, mercy in ourselves to forgive ourselves about the things that we can't change. Right. And the main thing about this, you don't want to be in an adversarial relationship with yourself. Right. You don't want to be fighting with yourself all the time. Um, I mean, a huge thing for self-esteem that he talks about, you know, him being a psychotherapist is, you know, seeing people becoming more aware, accepting of the disowned parts of themselves. That's the first step to healing. It's the first step to growth, you know, is awareness and acceptance, Con you know, and then putting that into consciousness and, and, and integration. I mean, the book, the book goes on more and it kind of breaks this down a little further. But you know this is this is the first this is the first you know couple steps into into making a, a meaningful change. So you know the practice of self responsibility. And this is a big one that he talks about in the book, and you know he goes on to say that and I'm responsible for my choices and actions. To be responsible in this context means responsible not as the recipient of moral blame or guilt, but responsible as the chief cause agent in my life and behavior. So the practice, you know, doesn't really focus on, you know, who 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 deserves the blame at the end of the day. It's, you know, this the practice of self-responsibility focuses on 
that I am I the the main person running running the show for my life and my behavior, and if not, there needs to be changes. And you know, a lot of this, a lot of this can can put you in a position where you know you can you can victimize yourself and and allow yourself not to feel that you have control um and the goal for life should be that i'm 100% responsible and i'm 100% in control that is a super hard thing to achieve but that's 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 the goal we set for we should be setting for ourselves at least in my opinion and brandon's opinion so that we can strive to it so it's 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 quite it's quite important because you don't you, you don't want to be we don't want to be blaming others for things you don't want to be blaming yourself you know for things that they they're not you know responsible for and you don't want to be blaming yourself for things you're not responsible for and you know we're responsible when we're able to respond to life's challenges as a healthy you know free being not as not as a victim blaming you know this and that for our challenges or feeling shame or guilt for not living up to someone else's or society's standards, but as individuals who own our ability to manifest our desires as we engage in life. That's what responsibility means. You know, and the thing is, can you turn can you turn that can you make a shift in your behavior that allows you to allows you to have more control and more ability to be able to respond to life's challenges as a, you know, thinking individual, you know, not somebody who's, who's looking to, looking to, to find fault in the world without, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a saying, you know, don't uh, criticize the world until you uh, clean your house. And I think a lot of that has to, Go to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of things that are terrible, but there's a lot of things that that are terrible within us and, and things that are within us that we don't like about ourselves. So if we don't like something about ourselves, then why don't we make the active choice of changing that? And that's when responsibility kicks in. That's when responsibility is essential. It's the ability to respond to life's challenges in a healthy, positive way, not by beating yourself up. And calling yourself names and making making your life more miserable than it has to be in the moment. The next um, pillar that he goes on to, goes on to speak about is the practice of self um, assertiveness. To practice this means you know practice self assertiveness to live authentically, to speak and to act from you know my most inner, innermost convictions and feelings as a way of life as a rule. You know. Um, the the essence of this is just to be real. You know, people say, "Be real, man. Be real. Be real." That's what this means. But <laughs> uh, to drive this home, I mean, remember that authentic and author come from the same root word. To be authentic is literally to be the author of your own story. Are we? Are we not? That's something we have to to come into to to, to you know to uh, understanding with. You know, when you look at you know leadership and you know scholars of leadership, 
it tells that the basic passion and the best leaders uh, that people have studied over the years is uh, self-expression. Their work is clearly a vehicle for their self-actualization. Their desire is to bring who they are into the world, into reality. You know, when they, when they, you know, which is why, you know, artists are so awesome and amazing and they just captivate people and get people to see what they're doing is because you can feel the self-expression throughout their work as a vehicle, as a, as a catalyst for their self-actualization. And I think that's essential. But it's important that we, we every single day act and speak from the innermost convictions and feelings. This is, this should be a rule for life. You know, this should be a way to live is making sure that we live authentically and that we practice self-assertiveness in the way that we know that it isn't, you know, over being overbearing. It's not any of these things. It's, it's being able to live authentically. And, and that's, that's something that it's hard to do in today's societies, especially because it's hard to believe in yourself, right? It's hard to stand up for yourself in a lot of cases, especially when you don't know how much, uh, how much of this, whatever circumstances is at your, it's at your hands, how much you're at fault. But it's, it's important that we do stand up for ourselves and believe in ourselves. And I think the first step to that is living authentically. The first step to that, I really believe is to, is to, to always speak from, from an authentic, true point of view and to express our emotions, our feelings and our, and our ideas as fluently and as, you know, as capable as possible without pulling punches. And sometimes that means that we might be a little harsh in the way we say things. It might, you know, it might not be harsh if you just say it, you know, to yourself. But when somebody else hears it and through the, through the lens of feeling a certain way, it maybe it is. But sometimes we need to be brutally honest with certain people, but especially with ourselves. So, I mean, in the book, one of the affirmations he goes on to say is, my life does not belong to others. I am not here on earth to live up to someone else's expectations. You're here to live up to your expectations. So I think that's something we need to look into and something that needs to be talked about more and, and something that needs to be practiced more. Um, you know, to practice the practice of living purposely, you know, to live purposely is to use our powers for the attainment of our goals that we have selected. You know, the goal of studying or raising a family, earning a living, starting a new business, or bringing any of these new products into the marketplace or solving a scientific problem or building a vacation home or sustaining a happy romantic relationship. You know, it's, it's our goal that leads us forward, that calls on on the exercise of our faculties that energize our existence. You know, living purposely is, is the fifth pillar. Uh, and, you know, understood correctly, there is nothing intrinsically, you know, Western about strong goal-oriented. When Buddha set out in search of enlightenment, was he not passionate, you know, was he not passionate about the purpose? So a lot of people tie, you know, try to, you know, try to mix together the idea that, you know, a lot of this living purposely stuff is just, you know, Western hoo-ha and, um, a lot of new age stuff. And, and really it's, it's, it's all stuff that can be found throughout all types of, you know, faiths, all types of philosophies. But honestly, we have to use our gifts 
We have to use our whatever whatever abilities that we have to attain our goals. Human beings are are are, are you know group animals in a lot of ways, but we're also goal goal oriented you know goal seeking animals. You know, and a lot of that can be done in a lot of different ways. Like I mentioned in that quote, you know, studying, raising a family, earning a living, and starting a new business. There's so many different ways to live a purpose, you know, purposeful life. And many of those things intersect. But, you know, we have to figure out what's our goals, what deeply inspires us. Not something that I think I should do or, you know, think that would impress others, but, you know, a vision that resonates with me deeply and, you know, it resonates with my highest values and my highest ideals. You know, am I living with integrity? That's another thing to ask yourself if you're living purposely. How much integrity are you are you sacrificing to get what you need and get what you want? That's this is stuff to think about. Because people will avoid discussions on self-esteem because everybody has problems with self-esteem. Nobody wants to admit that. Now, some people have less problems than others, of course, but like I said and like Brandon said in his book, self-esteem is a practice. It's it's not some type of idea that just automatically shapes – that's it. That's who we are. Boom. No, no. This is something that we have to work on. You know, People really ask themselves if my goals are to have uh, – this is another quote from the book. You know, If my goals are to have a successful relationship, what must I do? What actions are needed to create and sustain trust, intimacy, uh, con- uh, continuing uh, self-disclosure, excitement, growth? You know – these are questions that people need to be asking themselves. You know, purpose unrelated to a plan of action do not get realized. They exist as frustrated yearnings. So remember that. You know, first question needs to be what do we want? Second question needs to be what must you do to get what you want? Whether it's a relationship, a business, um, to lose weight, stop cigarettes, you know, we need to first get these questions down to figure this stuff out. You know, and That's that's something that that can't be talked about less in less. I mean, or more. I mean, that needs to be done actively and, and all the time. You know, and and the final, you know, the final thing I got to say on 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 this is, you know, also a big part of that comes with self discipline and self confidence. You know, no one can feel competent to cope with the challenge of life who is without the capacity for self discipline. Self discipline requires the ability to deter. Immediate gratification in service of a remote goal. This is not the ability to project consequences into the future. Oh, this is the, excuse me. This is the ability to project consequences into the future, to think, to plan, and to live long range. So, a big thing we need to understand is a lot of the times when we want to get something done, we have to use self discipline, and primarily self discipline to delay gratification in the now for the later. That's why you know a lot of people work really, really hard and take care of their families and then, you know, they could be – and they'll say they have a three-week uh, vacation or something like that, two-week vacation, you know, God willing. <laughs> and, um, you know, they instead of, you know, going out all the time and you know, taking that out, they decide to delay the gratification of that, you know, three weeks off and try to pick a nice, you know, set for their vacation for, their, for themselves and their family. You know, a lot of that also has to do with – you know, delaying gratification by buying something now in order to get something greater later. You know, a lot of that has to do, for instance, you know, a really easy example is when people, 
I'm, you know, I'm in IT, so when people want to buy computer parts, a lot of the time they just want to wait. They just want to jump in and, you know, say graphics cards are really expensive and have high uh, market demand right now. You know, people a lot of the times just go in and get it, and then a couple months later, you know, there's a new card being released and new stuff and new features. But you know, if they use some self discipline and, and delayed the gratification in the moment, they would be able to uh, to get this stuff. You know, but the thing is, like uh, Nietzsche had also another great quote on uh, thus spoke from thus spoke uh, Zarathustra, where he who, who cannot command himself should obey, and many can command themselves, and much is still lacking before they can obey themselves. So I think you know when it comes to when it comes to living purposely. When you know when the practice of living purposely, really, a big part of that is figuring out what do you need in your life. What do you what What do you want? What must you do to get it? And you know, in that plan, if you don't have, and the plan is self discipline and self confidence. You know, um, these are two huge, two home, you know, two huge, you know, points and indications that you know it forms psychological health. Is self discipline and self confidence. So, you know, the last pillar that I'm going to be talking about, the last pillar that he talked about, was um, the practice of, <coughs> excuse me, the practice of uh, personal integrity. Now, personal integrity and integrity is the integration of I- ideals, convictions, standards, beliefs, and behaviors. You know, when we when our behavior is congruent with our professed values. When ideals and practice match up, we have integrity. Observe that before the issue of integrity can be raised, we need principles of behavior, you know, moral convictions about what is and what is not appropriate, judgments about right and wrong action. If we don't yet hold standards, we are too low on a developmental rung even to be accused of hypocrisy at that point. In such a case, our problems are too severe to be described merely as a lack of integrity. So the practice of personal integrity, you know, is the sixth and final pillar of uh, self-esteem. And he mentions that without it, the the rest of the practices we talked about disintegrate. And you have to – and the big part of this, this is the hardest one in my, in my opinion. It means, you know, it means congruence. Words and behaviors must match. They must match. And, do, you know, does your ideas, your ideals, your convictions, your standards, your beliefs, does that match up and line up with your behavior? If so, you're on the, you're on the goal. You're, you're, you're practicing personal integrity. If not, there needs to be, you know, some, some adjustments. And again, this is something that we all face. This is something that we all have problems with. And again, it's, it's, my, it's my goal, you know, through this talk today to give you some – you know, great points that I think have been made by Dr. Brandon that need to be put out into the public that people need to hear more because something I see in people my age, older than me, younger than me, is there seems to always be in certain pe- in certain parts of people's lives always a moment where their self-esteem starts becoming shaky. They start losing sense of who they are and what type of person they are. This happens in every everybody's lives. One way or another, a lot of people, it happens, you know, in the transition between <laughs> um, young people, at least transition between, you know, middle school and high school and the uh, 
um, challenges that people face in that realm. Uh, you know, some people from high school to college and, and that environment and, you know, from college to work environment. These are all definitely major stepping stones for people in their lives, um, particularly in their careers. So obviously there's a lot of, a lot of stress and we do always, always talk a big game and, uh, Talk, you know, talk real big about the way we want, the way we want to portray ourselves in the world. But is the way we portray ourselves in the world congruent with the way we actually act? That's another thing we have to, you know, look into. And you know, being prideful, you know, is that is it a, is it is it is it is it, a, is it a virtue or is it a vice? In a lot of ways, what is it? You know, pride is the emotion, the emotional reward of achievement. It's not a vice to be overcome, but a value to be attained. You know, self-esteem complements what needs to be done and says, I can, I can, you know, and that's important. You know, pride contemplates what has been accomplished and says, I did. So remember, self-esteem contemplates what needs to be done and says, I can. Pride complements, uh, uh, contemplates what has been done or what has been accomplished and says, I did. You know, and I think another thing, another important thing we all can do is, you know, uh, as well as the sentence completion stuff that we talked about and, you know, living consciously. Something that we should do is, you know, get a notebook, go on your phone right, you know, right now after, or after this is done and write down the five things you're most proud of. Doesn't, doesn't have to be complicated. Doesn't have to be something life changing. It can be anything. Look at that. And then appreciate it and do that every morning. See if that will make you understand that you are worthy of, you know, love, of course. You're also worthy of, you know, the emotional feeling that you get from this types of achievement in your life. Whether that's your kids, whether it's your whether it's your your job, whether that's you know it's your relationship with the person you love, doesn't matter. <clears throat> doesn't matter at all, and you know some some of the things that we have to you know break down before the show ends today is you know clearly and honestly the whole idea behind self esteem, the whole idea behind all of this is to to find love for yourself. And a lot of people have a lot of hard times doing this. This is not something easy for people. Um, growing up, um, I've known people, you know, friends and um, um, others that have attempted suicide, committed suicide. And something I can tell you is, is that um, – it's a real problem. It happens every single day. It's extremely high in, in our veteran population. I think it's, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 22 veterans commit suicide every single day. And this this society, this country needs – and this has been a, a connecting thread throughout a lot of my shows. Um, this country needs to take mental health more seriously and we don't. And a big part of mental health and a big part of the issues that people face stems from their self-esteem issues. It, 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 it originates in their self-worth. It originates in their 
in their understanding of, 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 of how valuable they are, not only to themselves but to the people around them. And, you know, this, this stuff is, is so complicated and so um, difficult. I mean, even to talk to, but talk about, I mean, but um, just to think about because, you know, there's so many people out there in, in America, in Michigan, across the world, across the country, you know, that are suffering with self-esteem issues that eventually contribute or add to their already, you know, to their anxiety and to their depression. And, you know, they go ahead and uh, they think it's a good idea to end their life. And something that I can I can tell myself and, uh, and understand about myself, you know, today because, you know, in the past these feelings were part of, you know, um, who I was, you know, feeling worthless and not having any um, hope about a, a situation or about a way I felt. You know, it's it, this is a tough, tough subject. But you know, when I when I when when people talk about depression, it's so hard to explain the feeling. And somebody told me that you know, being severely depressed, and I, I've I've come to understand, you know, this is pretty spot on. Being severely depressed is like losing your family in a car accident every morning and waking up and realizing that, and just never, never changes. It's 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 horrific that people are living throughout through this types of feelings daily. It's horrific that um, not enough people listen, not enough people, you know, hear hear them hear each other out. So I mean, something that we should do. Number one, people who are going through self-esteem issues, people who are going through a depressive episode, something that we must do. First is taking the time to think about what ails us, what's the problem in our life, and seeing what little thing we can do today to make that a little bit better. That's the first thing right there. And if if you feel that... And again, this is different for everybody, but I, I highly, highly recommend that people seek professional help and uh, meet with the, with the psychologist. Um, my and again, getting on medication is definitely important for people that need it. But I think a lot of the time, people just don't go into talk therapy and just get medication, and kind of their problems still exist, even though they jump from medication to medication, trying to figure things out, and it doesn't work. And oh my god, that's not a solution, right? Medication. If you're going to take medication, it's a good idea to go into talk therapy as well. For a lot of people, it's very hard and very difficult to open up to somebody that you don't even know, but I think it's essential. So consider that if you're having, you know, low self-esteem, pick up the book. Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. It did wonders for me when I was going through a lot of self-esteem issues when I uh, got back into college. It did wonders. But the thing is, I had to practice it. So make sure that when we go through this stuff, this is great inter you know, great to listen to or whatever, but this is something we have to practice. And for people that are, are actively suffering through depressive episodes or suicidal thoughts, please – Please, please, please seek help. 
The National Suicide Prevention uh, Lifeline um, is 1-800-273-8255, available 24 hours every single day. Call 1-800-273-8255. Seriously, if you're having any of these feelings, you are not alone, and help is out there. And again, this help is confidential, isn't, isn't something that you have to give your name or anything like that. So th- this is nothing to worry about. This is nothing to fear. We, as the society, can help each other out. And, you know, we, if we have gone through these feelings and no longer feel them, we need to come out and speak about these feelings to the people we love and be honest with the way we felt in the past and see if there is anything we can do to help others in our lives that are currently going through this stuff. So, you know, this stuff stems from long lines of of issues with your self-esteem and issues with your self-worth. And on top of that, you know, mix it with depression and, you know, schizophrenia and bipolar disorder, alcoholism, other types of substance abuse. Stuff doesn't end well. Unless you actively try to get help. And... That's why I think, you know, talking about this topic as much as I've done already I mean, with the limited number of shows I have, I think almost on – almost all the shows I've, I've brushed up or talked about, if not depression directly, the effects of it or, or, or the things that kind of lead towards it in some ways or one way or another. Um, because I, I've gone through depressive episodes and I, I understand the feelings that – I, the feelings that I had in the past don't just exist in me. They might not be identical. They might not be the same, but they, they are similar enough to where people need to, to actively get help. And getting help doesn't mean you're weak. It means you're strong because you realize that there is an active problem and they need to make a change. Choosing, again, this, this goes into self, you know, the pillars, six pillars of self-esteem, making Living, you know, living, living consciously, actually, actually not being an autopilot, making the choice to get help, making the choice to talk to your friend, to talk to your brother, talk to your sister, to talk to your, you know, your spouse, talk to your loved ones. Making this choice is important. And for people that have children that are going through this, you know, my advice, at least on on that end, is um, a lot of the times growing up. And this is from my own personal experience. People, um, kids, you know, towards their parents will tend to think, well, you don't understand me. You don't know. You never went through this. And a big thing that we have, that we have to do, and I'm not a parent, but a big thing that we have to understand and something that might be more comforting for, for your kids is not to say, well, I know exactly what you're going through. No, it's probably a better idea to say, you know what? You tell me what you're going through. Again, we don't we don't want to listen to this stuff. People don't actively seek this stuff out unless they're ready to make a change. People might, you know, people who listen to the show might not listen to this episode because they don't want to hear the discussion that was talked about today because a lot of it hits too close to home for a lot of people. But that that cognitive dissonance that you're feeling about self-esteem, about self-worth, about self-love, Maybe that cognitive dissonance is letting you know that maybe I need to introduce some new things in my head that might change the way I look at things, specifically the way I look at look at myself. So we have to strive for wanting a better life. 
we have to strive for, you know, wanting healthy self-esteem. You know, as the world becomes more complex, competitive, challenging, self-esteem is more important than ever. I mean, the shift from, from and this is a great, you know, a great realization by Dr. Brandon, you know, the shift from manufacturing-based society to one based on information and the emergence of the global economy and globalism and, you know, characterized by the rapid change have created growing demands in our psychological resources. Recently, you know, the focus of his work has been to show, I mean, before he passed away, has been to show how self-esteem principles and technology can be used to improve performance in the workplace, right? So this is not just useful for people that are sitting at home and listening to this. This is useful for, for giant corporations. This is useful for small businesses, mom and pop stores. This, this, this knowledge that Dr. Brandon has compiled over the years uh, and that Dr. Brandon put in that fantastic book is so is so important because it allows us to reflect on happiness. It re- allows us to reflect on who we want to be and gives us the tools to shoot for that. It gives us the tools to shoot for that. And there's an urgent need for this stuff. You know, there's an urgent need for people to that people want to gain this type of um, outlook on self-esteem. You know, and once you achieve high self-esteem, what does that mean, right? Because you know, you 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 make you go through the practices, you do the sentence completion, you evaluate your life. What does high self-esteem look like? Well, it seeks the challenge and stimulation of worthwhile and demanding goals. You know, reaching these goals keeps nourishing your, your, you know, positive, good self-esteem. You know, low self-esteem seeks to safely, you know, you know, seeks the safety on, of the familiar and un- undemanding. Confining oneself to the familiar and undemanding service serves to weaken the self-esteem. So something that we have to continuous, continuously do is try to get ourselves out of our comfort zone and see how we, how we, how we do. Make constant adjustments to the way we act, to the way we treat others, and see if these fine tweaks, you know, will 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 you know to our to our behavior and to our to our, the way we treat others. See if these tweaks will negatively or positively affect your you know your impact on people. You know, the higher our self esteem is, the more ambitious we tend to be. Not necessarily in the career or financial sense, but in, in terms of what we hope to experience in life, you know, emotionally, romantically, intellectually, creatively, spiritually. The lower our self-esteem, the less we aspire to and the less we are likely to achieve in these goals. Both paths tend to, you know, be self-reinforcing and self-perpetuating as well. The higher our, self, our self-esteem, the stronger the drive to express ourselves, reflect the senses of our of the richness within, the lower our self-esteem, the more urgent the need to prove ourselves or to forget ourselves by living, you know, mechanically, just being another automaton. The higher the self-esteem, the more open, honest, appropriate our communication are, are likely to be because, you know, we believe our thoughts have value, right? Therefore, we welcome rather than fear the clarity. We welcome and rather than fear the pushback. 
you know, the lower our self-esteem, the more muddy, evasive, and inappropriate our communications are likely to be because of uncertainty about our own thoughts and feelings of, you know, and anxiety about the listener's response. The higher our self-esteem, the more disposed we are to form nourishing rather than toxic relationships. Health is attracted to health. Vitality and expansiveness in, other, in others are naturally more appealing to persons of good self-esteem. And then that are, you know, that are, that are, this is this is just very you know self-confident people are more naturally drawn to each other, you know, and then you know insecure people are also drawn you know to each other, and in a lot of cases that that forms a lot of destructive relationships and friendships. So to end today's show and to kind of bring things to a close, those last couple minutes, um, I think it's important that. We, we listen to ourselves first. You know, un- we have to understand that, you know, there's a difference between, our, between self-esteem and arrogance. Think about it. You're in the plane. What do they tell you when the, um, you know, the, the oxygen changes in the tank and the uh, cabin? Put your mask on first, then put, you know, on the people you love next. Why is that? Because you have to take care of yourself. You have to adequately love yourself before you can adequately take care and love other people. There's no way about it. We have to take care and remove the inner pessimist in our life. We have to live consciously. You know, we have to have, you know, we have to practice living consciously. You know, don't, don't be an autopilot in our life. Be aware. You know, practice sentence completions. You know, see what, what you can become. If you just take it, you know, by just by taking it, you know, by living more consciously. Practice self-acceptance. Do you need to be harder on yourself? Do you need to loosen up on yourself? Maybe it's just a great advice to stop beating up on ourselves. You know, that's important. You know, in pillar three, self-responsibility. Responsible for our lives, responsible for our actions, our interactions, our control over our responses. Pillar, you know, four, self-assertiveness. Just, you know, believe in my, believe in yourself. Believe in, you know, what you, you know, stand for what you, for who you are. Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your, your, your principles, for your values. Unapologetically. But also understand that it doesn't mean being nasty or toxic. It means having, having the self-respect to understand that, you know, I should be proud of my, of my opinions even though I might be wrong on certain things, I should still be proud of where, how I got here and, you know, my continuing journey. You know, pillar, last pillar, last couple of pillars, living purposely and personal integrity. You know, you have to, you have to have a goal and strive towards it, whether it's, you know, relationships, family, friends, work, it doesn't matter. You have to live purposely. You have to figure that out. The last one, personal integrity, you have to have the character, you have to have, you know, that, 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 that voice in your head that tells you to do the right thing or, you know, wash the dishes after you finish, you know, that's, you have to follow that voice. You just, this is, this is the only way we can make, make the necessary changes in our lives, you know, and realizing that small improvements really, and you know, really add up and are big. They really make a difference. They don't have to be 100% you know, changes, but 
this is how we can make the necessary changes in our lives to make to be, to become the best version of ourselves. So remember, please pick up uh, the book, The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Uh, if you go to our website, www.conversationsandmeditations.com, you will be seeing a link towards all this stuff, the sentence completion, the article I was looking into, and uh, some other things on this. So I really want to thank you again for listening. I want to thank you um, for taking this stuff in and being open to a lot of these ideas, specifically ideas that focus on self-esteem, depression, anxiety, um, all this stuff. And remember, the, the National uh, Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. You're not alone. We're all here. We're all family. And we all need to take care of each other. And that first starts by servicing our self-esteem and gaining the necessary values that can help us move forward in life. Thank you very much and have a great day.